Welcome to Cellmates. I'm Dick Ward. I'm Kate Phillips. And uh, this is Cellmates. It's a podcast where we talk about, compare, contrast, and generally throw like a Venn diagram over two or more different movies that are usually Disney. But not always. Usually musicals. But not always. And usually good. But not always. And today's episode... But they are always animated movies. Did I not say that? You did not. Well, But we've said it now. are. Um... And today's episode is a little bit different than it our usual. It is. Uh, Kate, can I say something to you real quick? Sure. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. This is our anniversary episode. Uh, our first episode came out uh, a year-ish ago today. Yeah. Uh, we've done, this will be 27. Yeah, that's uh, correct. We've done a bunch of episodes, had a lot of fun along the way. And that uh, surprisingly works with every other week, even though that's not How we did it for the first several months. That's correct. We took enough extra weeks off to offset our Our, weekly (laughs) Our schedule has been good. Consistent in quotes. Consistent-ish. Consistent on average. But uh, thank you for listening to us uh, every two weeks or so. We really appreciate it. Uh, We love uh, hearing from everybody. We've had some fun polls recently on our Facebook. We've had... Uh, some good communication, some good suggestions. So yeah. keep those all coming. Uh, yeah. So, Dick, before I share anything else about what we're doing today, yeah. I want to know what I am drinking. Oh, boy, don't you? Because I usually know by this point, and I do not. So, okay, I'm going to give you really obtuse hints. Yeah. All right. So I told you already that this drink was made in 2007. Um, it was named after... Uh, something else that came out in 2007. Um, let's see. The name of this drink, uh-huh. you would say, is missing, maybe even missing in action. You could even say it's like, MIA. Uh-huh. Missing in action. Uh, MIA. Mia? Is it missing dun, the correct dun, dun, colors dun, 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 that make dun, it dun, 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 drinkable? No. Because it's hot orange right now. Well, there, there's a... Man, you're. you're yeah, I MIA. No, I don't know. You don't know MIA? Like Mia? Yeah. Like the singer? Yeah, I, I guess. Wait. I, I call her MIA, but I don't know if her name's Mia. But not Maya. MIA. I don't know what you're talking so about besides the well, war. There's a song from 2007 that this drink is named after, okay. and that song is Paper Planes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've heard of that title, maybe. Well, anyway. This drink is called the Paper Plane. Now, why is that appropriate for our anniversary? I have no idea. Well, first, your anniversary gift is paper. Oh. So there you go. That was a lot. Thank you. The other options were to (laughs) get some paper cups and paper straws and drink out of those. Or find a champagne drink. And you hate champagne. I hate champagne. So yeah. I got this Aperol spritz based drink, which you or Aperol I, based drink, which also, you hate. Also, I also hate Aperol. So this is, but at least it's mixed with other things. Yeah. So it's Aperol, Campari, uh, lemon juice, and bourbon. I do like bourbon. You do like bourbon, and, and lemon you juice. like lemon juice. Yeah. All right. Can and, we uh, reach each other? Uh, each other yeah, to clink? On. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Just pass me your glass. I'll clink in front of the mic. 
Worth it. Worth it. All right. Kate's going to drink this <laughs> live. Clearly aren't real glasses. Go. Okay. Yeah. It tastes like tolerable soap. Yeah, it's it's I can taste the bourbon. That's good. This is not this is not on you. No. This is just Aperol tastes like soap to me. I think I think I am tasting more of the Campari than anything. Maybe it's Campari too, but yeah. also um, the Aperol spritzes all over Europe. But th- we yeah. had them and like I I nearly threw mine on the ground. Did yeah. you end up finishing mine? Yeah. You liked them. I liked it. Uh, I loved the one I had uh, that my friend Jason made for me. Uh, he made a good Aperol spritz. I think we had them at a place that made a bad one. Yeah. It was it was like mainly Aperol and not enough spritz. Yeah. I, but also spritz, I don't care. Like, it's champagne, right? With it? Mm, I don't no, know. We, we the point is, something. this is better. Thank you. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. So, uh... If you are a regular listener and or you're listening in order. um, Or if you're just like kind of a weirdo listener. That's cool too. This is kind of a part two episode. (gasps) Or you might say a one and a half. Uh, Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't say that. Cellmates Enchanted Christmas. One and a half. One and a half. Um, In last episode, we celebrated our anniversary by talking about our favorite Disney movies. Wait, can I do a thing? Sure. Last episode on Cellmates. Okay. We talked about our two favorite Disney movies, Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King. That's true. Uh, We will continue talking about them today because even with a rule about not talking about any content outside of the original animated, like 2D animated movies, Mm -hmm. we still went two hours 45. Like, we we went a Hamilton on it. You may have noticed, that's a very long episode. So cheers to you if you got through it. If not... We understand. Yeah. That's like, that's a lot of, that's that's maybe a couple of commutes, depending on how far you're driving. Yeah. Or riding or whatever. Whatever it so, is. Thank you for getting through it and thank you for sticking with us. If you did, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but we are not, we are not talking about the movies themselves today. Two Hamiltons more. No. no. We're not. Uh, we we're are also not. not doing we're a two talking and a half about- hour episode today. Everything else that yeah. has to do with these two titles. There's a whole lot of stuff around Lion King and Beauty and the Beast, and we think that's worth talking about. But we didn't want to stop talking about the movies themselves. No, because it would have it would have been like three Hamiltons long. Yeah. So, um, uh, but again, we're gonna try to streamline. Yep. All right. So, Kate, so what's what's first on the docket? First on the docket. So, and then after we do this, we're just going to do a little bit of anniversary celebrating and oh, yeah. talking we've got, about our we've last... we some fun stuff. I want to... Yeah. I've got like a couple of basic statistics to talk about. You know, our like most popular episodes and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then just like what we've learned and what we look forward to. Yeah. We'll give you a little teaser of what's coming up. So if this is your first episode, great. You're going to learn the greatest hits. You're going to... And if it's not, then you might recognize something you've already heard. Yeah. So, Dick, I'd like to start out today yeah, you um, with a question. Mm. And uh, I think it's a, a, you know, last episode we entitled Faves because they're a favorite movie. So I want to ask a question that we didn't get to in last episode. And that question is, why is this your favorite movie? <laughs> Whoops. Well, I think the lions are cute. I 
Oh, wait, wait. Beauty and the Beast in is In two my hours favorite, and 45 right? minutes, we never... Like, we talked about a lot of positive attributes, but, we but never not... specifically said this Why there are favorites. Because. Yeah. So, Dick... If we were we... writing a theme paper for school, we would have we would have gotten a B. Should we do a cookie timer on this? Because we don't have an opportunity to do one otherwise. No. One minute cookie timer? Uh, I need... I need... Give me two. All right. I'm going to tell you why Beauty and the Beast is my favorite movie in two minutes. All right. All right. You're not. So you're going to do something clever here. You're, I'm not. All right. Instead of summarizing the movie, I'm going to tell you why it's my favorite movie. That, yeah, minutes. that's what I meant. Yeah. All right. Agreed. Ready? Go. Okay. Beauty and the Beast, In a, 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 when you look at it from um, the very broad strokes, is a tale about, uh, from, from the outside, it looks like it's a tale about a like a, a girl who's meeting a beast and then he turns out to be a prince. But what it really is to me is a story about a beast uh, who has made a mistake in his past and finds redemption by uh, not only uh, trying to change and more, more less trying to change and more allowing himself to be changed by someone he cares about and who cares about him. And I think that's a really powerful message. Uh, I really love, um, I really love that that like, hey, this guy messed up, and he's he's worked on it a little bit at least. You know, he's done something to improve himself. I think that's something that most people can uh, identify with because we've all messed up at some point in our lives. We all have things that we're like, oh man, I wish I hadn't done that and gotten turned into a beast living in a castle who's got a rose under glass that when he turns 21 he'll stay a beast forever like we can all identify with that um where's my time and uh great so the the other thing that i think is uh cool about beauty and the beast is i think it's the um best execution in the renaissance of a classic disney uh like arc the lion king i think has a beautiful message beauty and the beast ends happily ever after you've got like the the girl and the guy end up together they have the big chorus sings at the end and it just it feels like snow white but in the 90s but not in the 90s like it just more updated new cookies are done cookies are done what do you think two minutes pretty good that was good thank you I didn't know if you were going to do a sneak attack and just like give a one sentence and then drop the mic. Nope. But all right. So I've got the cookie timer ready. Yeah, a- go for it. Kate. Ask me a question, Dick. Kate. Um, wh- what oh, no. Is- Kate. Dick. I'm waiting for you to take a drink so I can, oh, so no. I can yell I- as soon as you take a drink. No, I'll let you finish. All right, Kate. Why is Lion King your favorite movie? And start. Well, I love The Lion King because just as, you know, you have It's Never Too Late to Change in Beauty and the Beast, I think the kind of one-sentence screenshot or snapshot of The Lion King is the greatest challenges we face are within ourselves. Um, I have always loved this movie. It is visually stunning. The colors are vibrant. The music is fantastic. I think it's got humor... um, that entertains and is not like overdone. It always serves the story. But more importantly than that, it is this internal struggle that Simba has that drives the movie. 
um, I think that is unique for an animated movie, unique for a children's movie. Um, when my fifth graders did this musical at school, we talked about, we did a you know summary of the plot and we talked about conflict and what's the main conflict of the story. These 11-year-olds, not a single one of them mentioned Scar for the first like 10 minutes of the conversation. They're like, oh, the conflict of the story is Simba needs to be king and he doesn't want to do it. And it blew me away because I'm not sure I would have described it that way when I was a kid, but that's exactly it. It's this hill behind a hill um, that I love in movies where, yes, there's this surface tension of Scar is king and Simba needs to claim the throne, but it's really about Simba's response to trauma and his like figuring out where he fits in his family and where he fits in his community and I think that's it it resonates on so many levels right you can enjoy the good versus evil thing but this is the heart of the movie and everything comes back to it and I think it's so well executed and it still makes me cry as an adult and yeah the character actually changes from beginning to end like Mm -hmm. Beast where you see this immature sim at the beginning and then he's ruling a community by the end. Nice. Beautiful. I yeah. think that's I think that's great. Yeah. Nice. Hey, so there you go. The in, faves. In case, in case you were wondering, uh, that's why. Um so we also Dick last episode Uh-oh. 245. Uh <laughs> Anything that you wanted to add that you think we forgot on the two original movies? Because you take a listen when we edit. I usually take a listen sometime that week. You don't think so? I, All right. I don't know. I, I got I know, one. I know you You were kind of like making a little list in your head of things you wanted to talk I about. I was, and then I never wrote it down. I guess, so. <laughs> I guess okay, here's, here's what I got. And I already, I put out a poll for this uh, mm. on Facebook. Belle, uh, kind of a jerk. Uh, I just want to get that out there. <laughs> she lives with this guy, like, against her will for a while. Yeah, is kidnapped by. But by the end, they have a beautiful dance, and she, like, falls in love with him. There's something there that wasn't there before. And then, like, she never really learns his name. At the end, when she's, like, trying to prove that the beast exists, she's, like, she says to that, like, magic mirror thing, uh-huh. show me the beast. That's his name? And it's, like... <laughs> girl learn learn your boyfriend's name like like maybe he's forgotten too i don't know but like no one refers to anyone he never refers to her by name no he i don't think so i don't i'd have to go back i feel like there might be like towards the end during like the gaston fight maybe or something but But she always calls him beast but the objects don't they call her the girl they call her the girl yeah yeah but you know who knows everybody's name who gaston he knows oh. Belle's name. He knows the Beast's name, but he's been introduced to him as the Beast, right? Well, yeah, Crazy knows, old Maurice. Yeah, he knows, he knows Belle's dad's name. LeFou, like, I'm afraid I've been thinking. I yeah, he knows long, everyone's name. I don't know how long we were dating before I knew your dad's name. <laughs> like, Gaston's an asshole. I mean, you didn't grow up in the town with both of us. But. Understood. But I'm just saying. Gaston's an asshole. Yeah. But at least he has the decency to learn people's names. Yeah, Belle knows... Like Gaston's name, I assume she yeah. knows her father's name, but she yeah. doesn't have a reason to go. But like, she never refers to the objects by name. She calls the, she's like, oh, the the bookkeeper or whatever. Yeah, like, she might learn a name. Belle. She might know Chip's name when he is a stowaway. But yeah, no one knows each other's names in this movie. Yeah, except huh. except for Gaston. Gaston, who like 
again, asshole. Well, at least one. But isn't it? It's like part of that book, like how to influence people and win friendship. You know, like yeah, that doesn't mean it's. It's like how a sociopath does this thing. They learn a lot of names and. I think we're stretching. Uh, Anyway, I don't remember names. That doesn't mean I'm not a sociopath. (laughs) You remember names very well. That doesn't mean you are a sociopath. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Well. but, but that is I a just, good. That is a good. Point. I think it is worth mentioning that Gaston has at least one good quality. Yes. There you go. He's good with names. All right. What do you got, Kate? So I forgot to mention in speaking about the music that and and if you are a um, social media media follower of us, particularly on Facebook, because on Twitter I think it's just the two of us and like three us. bots. Yeah. Yeah. So if you follow us on Facebook, um, or you're a Twitter bot. Uh, you saw us post this in the last week, this story. Um, so the beginning of Beating the Beast, the very the prologue with the stained glass. Boom. My friends and I in college played a game one day where I'm sure we had a bunch of essays and projects to do. But we played a game where for like a half hour straight, we would play the first 30 seconds of Beating the Beast prologue and the song, uh, the piece Aquarium from Carnival of the Animals. Tell me about what that is. So, um, Saint-Saëns, or Saint-Saëns, I can never remember which Saint one is Saint. first. Yeah. Uh, Saint-Saëns, right? The yeah. Daffy Duck. Yeah. Um, French composer, Carnival of the Animals, is a suite, an orchestral suite. Um, different animals have movements. There's the aquarium, there's the elephant, there's the lion. So the particular one we're talking about is Aquarium. Is Aquarium that goes... You've probably heard it. If you don't know it already, if you don't know it already, you've probably heard it in movie trailers. I think like um, I I would guess like Edward Scissorhands, stuff like that probably had it in like early trailers. Yeah, it's you've heard the song before. And if you haven't heard it, uh, listen to it and you'll be like. Oh. Wait, is that Beauty and the Beast? Right. So the game <laughs> So we played play. this game. Um, it gets ruined by the time the narrate by the time David Ogden Styers comes in with the narration. Everything You're like, oh, does. that's not he's not speaking about a fish. Um, so so we played this game like a, a decade ago. And in the last couple of years, I saw this Alan Menken interview where he told the story of they had had the song Aquarium. And is just a musical placeholder during the scene for like the the storyboards and the animatics. And uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, being who he is, says, "Great, I love it. Let's keep it." Um, and then they said, "No, we can write new music." He said, "Nah, why do the work? Just keep Aquarium." And the way Alan Menken reacts to the story is, "No." <laughs> so he basically has to write. He's cornered into writing an aquarium sound alike. Mm-hmm. Um, that becomes the main theme for the beast. <laughs> and not for nothing, it's great. It's great. And the way it flows into Belle, mm, mm-hmm. so good. And it, it, the da-da-da, da-da-da comes mm-hmm. in with that too, which maybe he had written otherwise and just you know, but yeah. cut and pasted. But he, And it's like, oh, that's why they sound almost identical because it was to fool Jeffrey Katzenberg into thinking that they were still using Carnival of the Animals. Funny, funny story. Oh, I love it so much. Funny story related to that. If you look at uh, 
like most major movies, especially like the Marvel movies, and you see them with their temp tracks and with their actual orchestration, mm-hmm. it's usually really similar because they put the temp track in like while they're editing and then the director just gets married to it and so they're like there you go just like with well and the beats have to be this yeah it's like well can you write this can you write this song basically here but change some stuff up so it's not the exact same song thank you have i ever told you the story about how i did a choir concert of trailer music no well uh we did it's it's a legendary story in our choir, and it happened like nine years ago. We got hired like as a gig. Mm-hmm. We do our own concerts. Well, we got hired for this trailer music live. That sounds awesome. Well, it sounds awesome. <laughs> so, and it was going to have like, you know, like a projector screen and like the click tracks, like the guy who wrote everything um, served as the conductor for the concert. So it has like the Spider-Man trailer, and mm-hmm. there were a couple others, like Pretty big movies, like Spider-Man was the most famous, but um, but we get this music and it is just gibberish, both in like the voice leading, like sopranos oh. are like way up like an octave above where we can comfortably sing. And then like the voice leading is weird, so it's like intervals that you could play on a violin, but not with a voice. Yeah. And then the text, if we ever had to sing anything that wasn't like ooh, was just like, like, like uh, gibberish Latin, right? Cool. So it's just syllables. Laura Mipsum. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It is syllables. And we're singing that, like we're practicing it. We're like, what is this? Because for trailers, they just have to have something that sounds kind of mood close. Yeah. But they're like not getting paid enough slash maybe aren't getting rights enough to like use actual well, and Latin. Like someone write, have, would have to be a lyricist at that point. Why write an actual thing if it's just going to be shown for 30 seconds? Right. So it just has to kind of sound cool. Wow. Anyway, it was an incredible disaster because the projector ended up like breaking no. during Trailer Music Live. So like what is the point? And so, so we had like to like the restart. The conductor's yelling like, this one's from Spider-Man. <laughs> Imagine that Spider-Man no, is on the screen. It was worse. We would like start multiple times to try to get the equipment to work. Oh, and then boy. at the end, we thought we were ending and he yelled out, one more time without <laughs> telling anyone <laughs> that we were going to do a repeat. <laughs> and it was amazing. a hot mess. Wow. One of the best experiences of my life. Uh, Kate, that is one of the things I really enjoy about this podcast is it brings out <laughs> stories I have never heard. That's great. Yeah, it was great. Nice. Yeah. All right, Kate. What? What? Uh, what else? Is there anything else in in this? Anyway, in in Beauty and the Beast or Lion King that that we need to talk that about? We, so that we. So I think I think we've covered the original movies. Yes. I think that you know, I guess Hamilton is three hours, so this is a full Hamilton closed on it. Okay. Um. So we'll open a new, maybe like next to normal. It's like an hour forty-five or two. Cool. There are a lot of things. Okay, so Next let's just. Next to Normal is a musical that runs less than the musical Hamilton. This is how. They know. Oh, they know. They know. They know. Okay. Okay. Uh, I like to put things right. in terms of Star Wars. So, but... things we stopped ourselves from talking about last week uh, Broadway. Uh, we stopped ourselves from talking about live actions. Mm-hmm. We stopped ourselves from talking about theme park stuff. Yep. And there's even more beyond that. Yeah. There's a, so, there's a mountain beyond the mountain. A hill behind it. Oh. Yeah. Oh. All right, he lives inside we, of him. All right, what are we starting now? Uh, let's. 
So let's start with the closest to the original movie. Okay. <laughs> both the of theme- these received oh. a Broadway production. That's true. Beauty and the Beast in 1994. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, the same year Lion King came out. Still running. No, Beauty and the Beast no. is not still running. Sorry, you said Lion King in my Lion brain Lion King, mushed. 1998, still running. Still running. I think it's only behind Phantom for longest running. Or Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Sorry. That shows... Hey, What just about a longest quick, running and good? Just a quick tip. If you're coming to New York, don't see Chicago. Or like, unless you have like a time machine. No. Like, don't... I don't, think the show is... Is I think the movie fine. is great. The show is fine. It's just people have been there for like literally 30 don't, years. Don't see Chicago. They're just constantly phoning don't see it Chicago. in. Anyway, Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. So these, this is like a three or four year turnaround for both. Yeah. Um, both giant successes for Disney. Um, and it they create together basically Disney theatrical productions. Yeah. Oh. I was going to ask if this is the beginning of Disney oh, Theatrical. Yeah, it sure and then is. And you covered it. So I think so they're doing I some like... I my hand raise. I think... No, this is probably all around the same time. Because like they're... So Disney Theatrical covers their Broadway stuff. It covers their cruise ship stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it covers like licensing. Like if schools or regional playhouses like want to do any of these titles. Anything where they that. have to deal with unions. Yeah. 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 I think that's the simplest way of putting it. So, Dick, what is your experience with these Broadway productions? Uh, I have, because I live with you, I have heard uh, the Lion King Broadway production a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one song in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've seen like bits and pieces, but I haven't seen it live. Mm-hmm. Um, Beauty and the Beast, uh, the Broadway production, I don't know at all, but funny story, uh, which you know because you were there, on one of our, I think it was like our first big anniversary date, or maybe it was my birthday, you took me on a, I think it was my birthday, you took me on like a kind of scavenger hunt, where you were like, hey, we're going to do all these things, here's some clues, listen to this edited audio, and you'll know where we're going. And, like, the first one was in the Heights. It's like, you must take the... And I'm like, the A-Train. We take the A-Train. It was, like, missing lyrics, and those were the clues, yeah. So the next one was, like, Maison de Lune or something Uh like that. But I I guess that's a song from the Beauty and the Beast Broadway. De Lune. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. I thought you were going to get that one. What is this? Should I know what this is? You... Um, yeah, so it was Maison. If you are interested in having really good m- mushroom risotto in Harlem, <laughs> Maison Harlem. We're but giving you did, a lot of New York Okay, tips. but you good. did have Broadway Gaston in your audition book yeah. when you were an actor, right? Yeah, I was, uh, when I was auditioning, I had, oh my God, what song is that? Oh, Me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a Broadway Gaston song, but I had listened to like that song. Mm, and that's it. Because I was like, this is the one I'm interested in doing. That's what threw me off. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's listened to all the Gaston parts. Nope. nope. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've seen Beauty and the Beast only in a high school production. Mm. Um, but notable for one of the best audience moments I've ever experienced. Okay. Like, during one of the two wolf scenes. I think it was the second one where, like, Belle is attacked and the Beast comes out and saves her. 
Um, it's a high school production in Wisconsin. Um, these wolves have these cool, like, cape masks kind of thing, and they're, like, whirling around the stage, and there's blacklight involved, and they all, like, the beast comes out and, you know, shoes them off, and they all go running off stage, but one of them smacks into the scenery because it's poor lighting and they're wearing mask capes and he like goes down. Oh, so funny. I think it was okay. Like there were no ambulances after the performance, but that was also neat because at that high school, the actors wear their costumes to meet with family in the audience at the end. Oh, how professional. forbidden at our high school same oh my gosh well i don't know about my high school but someone would have gotten kicked out if they did that yeah it was it was unprofessional but anyway so we took pictures with them like we were at disney world it was great we were in college like you know grown adults Uh, 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 so you can tell us a little bit more about about the lion king i sure will broadway uh but i will say like one thing, one of the reasons, and one of the big reasons that I think Lion King is still around mm-hmm. uh, is because they don't use dorky costumes. Those Beauty and the Beast costumes were somewhat of a product of their time, except yeah. for it's still 1994, but they look like like retro Phantom of the Opera costume. Like the wigs especially are atrocious. Like it's... Like it's, Belle has like ringlet, like... Weird ringlets, even in her like blue yeah. dress hair. And Gaston's got like I a don't muscle understand. suit on. That's kind of clever. That's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. But the yeah, it's kind of clever. They're like the '80s version of Victorian and, or Gothic, and it's just. And how is the Beast represented? The Beast has a like prosthetic mask. No. Um, but yeah, he's got like velvety. So there's. It's been announced that there's going to be a revival on Broadway, Ooh. and I'm excited. Alone for the costume updates, yeah. like they cannot use the same wigs. Yeah, and like uh, the Lion King mm-hmm. uses symbolic costumes. So yeah, the like Lion entirely King, right. Yeah, before before I get on a uh, let's see, little shop size tangent about the Lion King. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna keep. I do want to mention that every the, time. No, no, no. A every couple time s- you mention a musical. As a unit of measurement, I'm just going to roll my eyes. Maybe the Lion King kids. That's in, only 30 in minutes. In honor of the audience. I do want to mention that there were some songs added in the Beauty and the Beast Broadway that I really like. Yeah. Um, above all, um, If I Can't Love Her, the Beast's one act, the first act finale. I was very disappointed to not see it in the subsequent version of the... In the live action. We can talk about that today. But it's just not time yet. I was very disappointed it was not there because it's so good. Mm-hmm. So what Alan Menken does is basically takes all of his fantastic score motifs, turns them into songs too. Like Maurice has got a da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da song. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got the motif. So it's like you already are familiar with the music. It just has words now. And yeah. I think that's really clever. So Lion King, let's break this open. Lion King does the same thing. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot of songs that are based on themes in Zimmer's score. Did Hans Zimmer write those? Well. Elton John wrote those, right? Elton well, John is like, hey, I'm going to take these. L-E-V-O, Lebo. So after the first movie, Lebo decides he's not done yet with The Lion King. This is like 95, 96. Yes. So 
hold on. Yeah. To be clear. Uh-huh. Uh, Lebo is the third guy that's involved in the music of The Lion King. It's Elton John. It's Tim Rice is the fourth, yeah. It's Hans Zimmer. Tim Rice yeah. is lyricist. Lebo, for those... And Lebo is a South African uh, songwriter. Yes, and musician. And musician yeah. and singer. He's the one who sings... He's kind of the hero of The Lion King. He sure is. without him... I don't think the music would have sounded no. correct. No. Yeah. Um, so Lebo, my personal hero, Lebo, he just, just decides like, I'm going to keep writing songs for The Lion King. I know this movie's done, but I'm just going to keep writing. He writes so much yeah. that he is able to put out an additional album called Rhythm of the Pride Lands. And it is, there's like, two like demo type songs there's an earlier version of Hakuna Matata Mm -hmm. which actually ends up getting put into the Lion King one and a half the excellent sequel midquel um and but the rest of it is just Lebo singing in Zulu or Kosa um and just like riffing off of themes or writing new themes on this album the songs that become He Lives in You, the song that becomes Shadowlands, the song that becomes um, Endless Night. Which are so, all songs in the Broadway production. Yes. Like, he basically writes the Broadway additional material on this album for fun. Yeah. Because he's just he's just not done writing yet. It, it, it When you first, like, mentioned this to me, yeah. I was like, oh, music inspired by the movie. Because usually that means it's like, Oh, it's a Red Hot Chili Peppers song right. that wasn't good enough for our album. Right. So uh, I guess it's inspired by Batman. But this is just music inspired by the movie. Well, and listening to it recently, too, it's like, oh, these songs were all used. Mm. I have like very vague, what, how I found it was I have very vague memories as a child of like hearing a Pumbaa song that I didn't know mm. somewhere. Either it was like being played at Target or like, I have weird memories of it being played in like a dolphin show at the zoo. That I sounds, might be making that, that up. Super likely. However, I'm like, well, I know Pumbaa, but I don't know this song. This is incorrect. Yeah. But I, I learned there was a whole second CD, and I don't. We didn't ha- own it, but I listened to it once or twice, maybe from the library. Nice. And then listening to these songs again now that I know the Broadway version, it's like, oh, he had just had that written. So not only is all of that in the musical. And they've translated it to English, but it's Lebo writing it, so it feels, it's both the score and that Lebo character, so it feels very organic. It's also, and I, it, we, we riff a lot on Julie Tamer, but Julie Tamer has great ideas, like the best ideas some of the time. I, and then the rest of the time, Spider-Men's go to the hospital. I can't let you say something like that <laughs> and pretend that the entire podcast believes it i think julie tamor accidentally has a good idea once in a while <laughs> pop I think, a crack i think julie tamor has terrible ideas and then people say no until she has a good one i think that's more the case you're right so kate tell us what that means well so she um julie com- tamor is julie tamor is the director of the lion king on broadway and in and like I feel like director in a more involved way than most directors are. She designs all the costumes. She designs all the puppets. That's one of her big things in life. Um, And it's puppetry styles from around the world, including Africa, but not limited to. And so if you, I mean, 
by this point, it's fairly ubiquitous, but just in case, um, all the actors in this show, instead of wearing traditional costumes, like either them being lions or like having lion makeup, they have masks that are worn above their head for the main characters. Um, and then their faces are done in more like geometric, um, I'm sure there is some like tribal significance to the patterns they use and everything. Right. And then for all the other animals that don't speak, the giraffes, the elephants, they're just giant multi-actor puppets. Yeah. And it's incredible. I have seen, I, I have seen the Broadway production two times, once on tour and then once on Broadway. And it is just, it like makes me weep every time that elephant comes in in Circle of Life. It's just astounding. And the way that the actors use the masks and use their body with the masks is just it's so well done and I think digging into that um that kind of you know and I won't call it all like digging into African culture because that's not all the puppets she uses but like digging into something that makes you feel like you're in a different place really I, I think has helped the longevity I think mm -hmm. it's it supports the story and it supports the world building in a way that like you know Beauty and the Beast great like great songs using the motifs but like I've seen other Disney musicals that have not done so well at like serving their original movies and I think Lion King it it certainly does yeah it's great yeah I mean we saw well Hunchback wasn't the worst but there's some stuff. Frozen to a certain extent. Ooh, oh, I can't wait to talk oh about Aladdin God. the musical when we get to that episode because... I can wait to talk about Frozen on Broadway. That that was so long. So, so what long. was the best part of it? It was that Sven puppet that's clearly inspire, inspired by Julie Tamer. That's incorrect. What? The best part of it was not the Sven puppet that was inspired by Julie Tamer. What was which what was I the don't best even know if it was inspired by Julie I mean, Taymor it, it because was it's a not. Puppet. I don't know. It's it's not representational. It's literal. Well, so, yeah, like, but you got two actors in it, and the, the wood, Olaf is kind of like Timon. It's like more inspired by walking with dinosaurs. Yeah, sure. Or like the woodsmen, or something okay. like that. Equus. Okay. What was your favorite part of Frozen? The uh, return from the second act. Yeah, that song was great. Yeah, it was great. It was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Lebo wins yeah. the day. All right. Anything else you want to talk about in the Broadway version of The Lion King before we move on? I'd like to somewhat segue. To, I did this with my kids again. Just, just as a okay. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about about the Broadway production of The Lion King before we move on? I did this with my kids uh, okay. in. Martin Springs 2017, and so my choreographer and I got tickets to go see The Lion King on Broadway. We had both seen it before. Gotcha. When you said, I did this with my kids, I didn't understand what you meant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and and fatefully, unfatefully, we got tickets months in advance for two days after the 2016 presidential election. Right. So... Um Mm -hmm. Your kids are your students. My kids are my students. Uh, in they all live in they all live like in the Bronx, low income Bronx area. Yeah, they go to a public school in the Bronx. A lot of them are immigrants, mm -hmm. or their parents are immigrants. Yeah. So not only two days after the election, I'm thinking, okay, great, I'm going to a Broadway show. Like this is the first time I cannot think about it. But then you realize that the main villain of this show is a shunned. Uh, 
outsider who thinks he's better than everyone else, uh, groups together a band of uh, predatory outcasts who feel disenfranchised by society, but maybe not they are so much. And then he um, illegally takes over a throne, um, and he's got a reprise in the Broadway one that was cut out of the movie that, like, the lyrics are literally like, it's time that I introduce you to my new executive staff they're not the type that you, you that you're used to, but they sure are good for a laugh. And uh, yeah, it was pretty terrifying. And the hyenas goose step across the. Stage. And the hyenas goose step, and they they're like coming in, taking over the Pride Lands where Obama, I mean Mufasa, once uh, led everyone. So it was uncomfortable. In fairness, Mufasa did a lot of drone strikes. Mufasa like is also an imperialist. I understand, <laughs> but he did just—he was really well liked, yeah. and I feel like he had uh, he the least, people in mind. He, he had cool. his Mufasa his subjects basketball in like. mind. So okay, um, but then watching it with my kids, they they thought the same thing. Yeah. They like my kids had never seen the movie before. Yeah. Scar's giving his eat with me, and I'll never be hungry again. And one kid in the back says, "He sounds like Donald Trump." And it just took all that I had to not give him a high five. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Dick, what do you want to talk about next? I feel like we've... I feel like there might be another piece of stage theater that you want to talk about. Ooh, is there? I thought so. Oh, no. Well, that, you, that was really it. Just You mentioned it. that you had done this, that you had taken your kids to the show. Do you have any other well, involvement with your students and so the we Lion didn't, King? We didn't take them to the Broadway show. My choreographer and I went to the show. We showed them the movie. Okay. But no, they performed it. They We we did it on stage. Your students did The Lion they King sure did. as the fifth grade musical. Yeah, they sure did. That's what I was going for. It was lovely. Yeah. That's all. Like, I've been, it's like a directing role I've been preparing for since I'm, I was in seventh grade. Yeah. Like, I feel like you've probably directed The Lion King in your head thousands of times thousands. since you were a kid. Absolutely. Yeah. It was very gratifying, and it was neat for them to, like, you know, like I said earlier, for them to really get what it's about, and I, that's that's the power of a good movie is that it, it can work on many levels. Like, mm-hmm. some kids maybe are just going to be there for the Pumbaa fart jokes, and that's fine. That's but, funny. But 10, 11-year-olds can get some really meaty things, and who knows, maybe draw from that later mm-hmm. as they're experiencing that. So they did a great job. Um, not yeah. so well with the scene changes. Yeah, they're in but, fifth grade. But otherwise, really. I mean, we had a <laughs> post Akuna Matata. Our our young Simba and adult Simba were played by different actors. Uh-huh. Adult Simba, like the song has ended, uh, the transition has been made. Adult Simba is in dialogue with Timon and Pumbaa, and our young Simba just walks across the stage, like, not behind the scenery. It seems like he realized just, he was on, the, like he. It seems like he realized that he exited stage left when he meant to exit stage right. Except for he didn't. That was how it was blocked. He just walked across the stage. Just proudly. And like (laughs) me and all the actors on stage were like, get out, get out, get out. You're not a character. And then he got got like halfway across the stage, looked at you, and then you're like, well, keep going now. Yeah, it was. And then adult Simba liked to do a little like slow jam dance during yeah. He Lives in You. It was amazing. It was great. So yeah, it was really great. Uh, Kate, if if we want to like transition from this to anything else, I, I think the other the other thing that uh, 
makes or the next thing that I think makes sense to talk mm-hmm. about is is the sequels, which we haven't seen most of them. So There's like I've seen four sequels to Beauty and the Beast. There's I've like two or three to Lion King. I've seen all the Lion King ones. Okay. Um, I think I had Bell's Enchanted Christmas, which was the first quote unquote sequel, mm-hmm. um, like on a book and tape. And really, so there are two, there's another one too. It's like Bell's. Yeah. There's a sequel and then there's a midquel. Yeah. So for both, there's a sequel and a midquel. Except for there's. What's a, a midquel? A midquel um, is, you know, let's say you have like a Shakespeare play. And someone let's, uh, writes... Let me pick one out. Let me say Hamlet. Yeah, like Hamlet. Okay, let's say we've got Hamlet. And so someone writes um, another play relating to Hamlet, except for it's just a different perspective of the same events in Hamlet. Like, so it's not like a sequel. Like Ophelia or something? You, you know, Ophelia so it's or like another, another main or character that we focus Rosencrantz on? Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, say. So like two minor kind of jokey... Like not yeah. minor, but not big... But kind of like jokey characters, comedic, yeah. Huh. Um, I mean, a midquel does not have to be jokey and comedic. No, but that's an ex- that's an example. It is an yes. example of a midquel, and in this case, it is jokey and comedic because so, we've seen one of them, and well, we want to talk about one of them. But before that, it doesn't have to be jokey and comedic because you could have a midquel where somehow the beast is very abusive to Belle uh-huh. in the middle stages, and it makes you not like him as a character. I've only seen clips of that one, but it looks horrendous however on the flip side it can be comedic um you really just hate my segues well i but i had that in the i don't want to talk about it at the end the lion king one and a half is one of the greatest movies i've ever seen in my life uh it is the rosencrantz and guildenstern are dead to lion king's hamlet it's timon and pumbaa telling the events of the lion king plus a little bit more in the beginning um and it's it's actually the um, I lent you this movie on our first date. Weird. Yeah. It's really really weird lend. Yeah, I watched it. Well, well, uh, well, I guess we'll get to it in another episode probably because it is an animated movie. Um, what? Can I not talk about it? No, you could talk about it. Go okay. for it. I thought you were going to ask me you to did, talk you, about it. Your face looked like you did not want to talk about it anymore. Talk about it, and then you're like, well, I got we'll confused. talk about it on a different episode. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, it stars Timon and Pumbaa. There's a fun song about digging a tunnel. Uh, your DVD was a little scratched, so it was Mm. a little rough to watch. Uh, but it was, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was surprisingly good. So it's like Timon and Pumbaa's backstories and then like how they get to their Hakuna Matata land. But interspersed are these famous scenes from the Lion King Mm -hmm. and like, they're in circle of life trying to look for the king. And they're like, we don't see him anywhere. Pumbaa farts so all the animals fall down. But it looks like they're bowing. Ha ha. That's what you're actually seeing in the circle of life. And just every scene is that way. And also it has a good independent story of Timon and Pumbaa like finding chosen family in each other when their actual families have shunned them. It's so good. You think it's going to be not good because Simba, or was it Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, not good. I have seen that once. I have forgotten almost everything about it because I hated it. It does have the song He Lives in You in it, though, so we have to give it that. an amazing song. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I don't know whether that movie came first or whether Lebo's song came first and they didn't have any Broadway plans. They're like, oh, we got to make a vehicle well, for this. I think you have to hit, write the song for it to be in the movie. So I'm going to say the song came first. Well, like the I idea the of the movie. Did they the movie, commission Lebo to write a song I, for this movie? Anyway, um, so yeah, the Beauty and the Beast ones have not done as well. Right, I haven't they seen... They do have, at least Bell's Enchanted Christmas has all the original voices. Okay. So, like, it, they at least got paid well, even if, yeah. You don't know that. But, like, the... Pr- so, looking... <laughs> they might have got paid terribly. No, we, we need to watch these, though, because, the, like, Prince Adam, with the Beast's actual name, looks terribly off-model. Like, everyone looks off-model. He never looks on-model. That's true. I mean, on-model would be Bob Golick, right? Thanks to all of those listeners who voted for Bob Golick in that poll. You know who you are. All right. Those are the sequels. We don't know much about anything but The Lion King one and a half. What else would you like to talk about? I mean, there's, we've got to talk about the live action movies. Uh, do we have to? We do. I think we can just no, skip no, over that. No, um, no, we have to talk about them because you made me see Beauty and the Beast live action. I didn't, so I didn't realize at the time that making you see it would be the most accurate verb. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought it might be entertaining. You were wrong. It was bad. All right, so going you, into and, it. And wait, wait. You have not seen the Lion King live action. I have not. I have had to suffer through Beauty and the Beast starring Belle that can't sing, and you have not had to watch lions that can't open their mouths with at least pretty good singers. We've seen some scenes from Lion King, mm-hmm. and they all look like trash. It looks like butt. Dick, like on a scale of one to ten, what movie did you think you were getting into seeing Beauty and the Beast live action? I don't understand the question, like, did and you I have won't respond to high it. expectations, low expectations, low expectations middling very, expectations. I had very low expectations. So I did too, and because the movie barely exceeded my low expectations, I didn't mind it as much at the time. It, it did not even meet your low expectations. No. I, 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 going into that movie, I was like, okay, Kevin Klein is in it. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. Um, Ewan McGregor's in it. He's never not fun. He was, he was the only good person. He was the only good actor in the Star Wars prequels. Like, he managed to make those, at least his parts, entertaining. Fine. He'll be great. And then, obviously, uh, Josh Gad is LeFou. Perfect casting. Perfect casting. What could go wrong? Well... Josh Gad. Could this go whole wrong. movie, though, like, is a weird cast, right? Ewan McGregor is great, and also Kevin Klein is great, and also Ian McKellen is great, and Josh Gad is great. Like, but they're all in the same movie, and I feel like as the casting information was coming out prior to this movie, I just had no idea what film they were making. That's interesting because to me, because like Ian McKellen is not Cogsworth. That's interesting. Ever to me. The casting makes sense. Together? Yes. Oh man. Yeah. I. What? Why not? It's voices. I guess why not? But uh, like, Cogsworth is kind of like a stuffy clock. Ian McKellen can play a stuffy clock. Uh, Lumiere is a like a sex crazed candle man. <sighs> McGregor can play that. Like a showman. Yeah. So like, why can't they bounce off each other and play those roles? It makes sense. It's not. 
it's not uh, a challenge, I don't think. And yet, and yet, they made the Candleman a Candleman instead of a candlestick. And they made the clock so realistic that you can't tell what's going on with it. Before we really dive in, I'm not going to make you make this a sandwich, but can you make it a flatbread? Do you have like one, one positive compliment? I'll add some positives at the end. Okay. So that I trash it. And then you've got like a you've got like a good right. dessert. Um, my my big problem with this movie was every musical number. Okay. What was your big problem? I uh, thought sorry. I thought that's okay. Um, yeah. That. Um, yeah. The music the music is terrible. Um, the the I mean you set me up to trash this. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Great. Okay? Go. Okay. Um, you can't cast someone as Belle who doesn't sing. You can't. You can't. She like she can't sing, and that's fine. More power to her for trying, but don't cast her. This is a musical. Like, you can't auto tune your way out of this. No. You can't. Uh, Especially when the music is so beloved as it is. Yeah. Like, it's one thing if you're like you know my high school theater teacher always says. Audience will forgive wrong uh, musical notes before they forgive wrong emotional notes. But like with Beauty and the Beast, it's equal. Like we learned, <laughs> we learned this lesson from Les Mis. Mm. We learned the lesson of don't let people who can't sing sing. Mm-hmm. We we said don't cast Gerard Butler in a musical again. Mm-hmm. Don't cast uh, Hugh Jackman in a musical again. Oh. Sorry, I hate Hugh Jackman. He would have been a great so Javert. Much. He would have been a great Javert. Yep, but he wasn't. Mm. He was just a bad Jean Valjean. Can't sing those notes. No, okay. he can't. So don't cast him. <laughs> yeah, and no, I same, agree. It's the same in Beauty and the Beast. Don't cast someone who can't sing. Don't add stuff that isn't needed. Don't add humor that's not needed. Don't try and woke up your movie when it doesn't need to be. There's no, like, I don't, I don't care if, like, the wardrobe is a great wife or what. I don't, like, she's married to the piano or something. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I don't, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the movie that I saw that I like, the tale that, that is as old as time. Well, and that's not the thing. A, not a modern, like, crappy version, which I, I we've we've like mentioned like this would have been fine in a table read, like if 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 I saw all, of all these, these live actors doing it at the reads. Hollywood Bowl, that would have been fine. But that's not what it was. This nope. was a hugely expensive produced movie, and it just sucked on bread. the The beast looked terrible yeah i did and, i did not care for and it and like no one like it was staged badly like gaston it was really dark all yeah, the time really, really dark, dark really lifeless even in like the town scenes and yeah. they managed to make the song gaston boring see that's the only musical number i didn't mind Ugh. i ag- i agree that it Ugh. was worse but like i so blah, blah, blah. all right my biggest musical problem in the mu- in the movie was movie. was be our guest, which I started out on board with. It's, I love that little like bit where they're like, "Oh, we've never put on a show before. Let's yeah. like kind of wing our way through this." That's cute, but by the end, like it, the thing that I mentioned in last episode that makes me like actually weep in this song is this like relentless like a cellarando the 
da 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 and and they totally biffed it in this song where they're da 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 dance 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 instrumental da 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 instrumental instrumental now we have a break to breathe course they added you're like what they added like a bunch of instrumental and it could be that it's in the Broadway version I'm not as familiar there is more dancing in the Broadway version yeah but it just completely wrecks the best part of that song with it which is the kick line yeah. And then in, in my other big problem is Beauty and the Beast, which like Emma Thompson does an okay job with as Mrs. Yeah. Potts, as like She's not, not a singer Lansbury. by trade. No. Well, no one is. But they do this weird thing where like they put the instrumental in three because it's a waltz. I've heard it work before in, I can't remember if it's Hi-Ho Mozart or Bippity Boppity Bach. Where they do a Rachmaninoff version of Beauty and the Bees uh-huh. and dun 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 dun, it's beautiful because it's a dance. But they put the instrumental in three as Emma Thompson is singing in the original four, right? And it just sounds like garbage, yeah. like a hot garbage. And was- that's to me like the sacred text of the music. You mess with it, I'm done. She did Into the Woods, right? She no. Am I wrong? She did a PBS Sweeney Todd as Mrs. Lovett. That's what I'm thinking of then. Yeah. I guess Mrs. Lovett doesn't really require beautiful singing. And my problem is not with Emma Thompson. My problem is with the orchestration and arrangement. Like, if that's Alan, I'm sorry, my problem is with Alan. Yeah. That's too bad. So Beauty and and the Beast, um, I'm going to say some good things about it now. Okay. Okay. Um, I really liked Gaston. The character. The actor yeah. who played him, mm-hmm. Luke Perry or something. Evans, Dan Stevens, Luke uh, Evans. Luke Evans. Luke Evans, yeah. He was like, I, I don't know him from anything. I thought he was really great. Yeah. He was funny. He knew what the part was. Mm-hmm. He like, he overacted to the correct extent. Josh Gad. Um, he had a... That's not Josh Gad's fault. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is Josh Gad's fault that Josh Gad acts to the back. He was still playing in a theater when there were cameras. That's, yeah. I, th- I think that's a direction thing overall. He, he pulled I'm, an Anthony rap and rent. He's still on the stage. I'm sorry. I, no, that's Josh Gad's fault because he does that in other movies too. Okay. That's, that's not the director. And the director did that's a fair. terrible job, but you, know, you, can only, you can only do so much with Josh Gad. Is what I've learned. Is he's really good at a at a voice? Yeah. I don't want to see him. Yeah. Why? Um, but yeah, uh, Luke Evans, I think was was very good. Those That's are your the end of my list. I so what a lot what a lot of the like oh don't give it such a hard time is like it fixed so many things and we had talked about a lot of the holes in the original movie yeah. the week before. Or our episode before. There are so many holes. Yeah. So it tries to fix things like giving Belle more to do and like why doesn't anyone remember this castle and did the objects have lives as servants? And it's just, as we said last week, you start filling too many holes and you're going to end up with holes elsewhere. And, And as we said last week... The reason that we don't think about those holes until after we're done watching the movie is because we're so engaged and so emotionally involved. Yeah. But when the movie is all about filling holes, then all we're doing is sitting there going like, oh, that's clever. 
Well, oh, yeah, the, and it doesn't carry horse, through. It, it doesn't have any impact on anywhere else in the story. Like, yeah. great, like Belle in the original movie, not a great character. No, she doesn't sure. even remember the beast. Make name. her an inventor as well. Like, have her like, it, you know, trying to teach girls in the neighborhood things. But yes. then, like, they only again, but just like it, in Beauty and the Beast, it's only in the first act. Yeah, she doesn't even use the inventor stuff later. Like when Chip makes that machine work yeah. in the third act, like like. They don't even use it. Like, why have you done this? Like, in the first one, you find out that she really likes reading. Mm -hmm. And then the Beast gives her a library in the castle where she's entrapped. Yeah, there's not a lot of logic to it, but But at least it's it's set up payoff. You you see a book in the first act, someone's going to fire it in the third act. Yeah. Check Um, out the book. I mean, I'll just go back to my favorite tweet uh, when the first Lion King live-action, quote-unquote, CGI trailer came out. Just simply... What a tremendous waste of resources. What a tremendous waste of resources. And that's, I mean, we can't talk too much about The Lion King because we haven't seen it. But it but just, but let's hey, do anyway. But let's let's take like a minute because, again, we haven't seen it. We I will not. eventually make you see it for this podcast. You will have to put a lot of alcohol in me. Because we are professionals. Uh, we're going to watch it sober and then get very drunk afterwards. Oh, no. That's that's my goal to you. I think that's what we were going to do with The Greatest Showman, too. But we were on like our second whiskey 20 minutes in. Yeah, but it that was movie just, was I think it's going to be a similar garbage. situation. At least the music. And I, I will also say the Beauty and the Beast. Um, I think they had more of a budget for the orchestra. So I think there were a few more pieces. So some of the score sounds really nice. Yeah. I guess. That's another nice thing. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And that's something that we've got to look forward to in Lion King. If you close your eyes during an instrumental part, it's going to sound great. Maybe. We don't know what's going on over it. Okay, give us like (sighs) like a quick one or two minute rundown, your thoughts on the live action. So there's a reason that none of the trailers showed us lion's mouths moving. Um, They do it in the movie... And based on the clips that we've seen, and we've seen a couple clips at this point, it looks like straight trash. And like, it just makes me angry. Quick caveat, by the way, if you like either of these movies, that's great. And we're still your friends. Yeah. Also, we, yeah. Don't, we don't hate you. We just think you make interesting choices. <laughs> and you know, I, I actually envy the people who can like watch this and be like, oh, this is just fun. I'm like, I'm so angry. I, I really envy yeah, who people who can who get don't take it so seriously that they joy. get angry. No, yeah. yeah, I'm too far in at this point. Yeah, we're too far gone. <laughs> uh, we're too we're too far. We just can't watch a thing and enjoy it. The mouths look crappy. Like, I yeah. almost wish they would have done no mouths and just voiceover as, like, either telepathy or that's just how lions like, uh, talk with their mouth notice, closed. Because right? it looked, uh, yeah, or... Um, Homeward Bound. Or Babe. Yeah. And I think Babe, their mouths moved. Oh, well. But they were more cartoony. Anyway, if we wanted realistic lions, we wouldn't, we didn't want realistic lions. Yeah. Nobody asked for this. And uh, we listened, we did listen to the soundtrack, the songs, just to kind of see. Until, until I was done. Yeah. And we listened to more, I think. Anytime Lebo is in it, it sounds great. It's amazing. Lebo's great. Um, the little kid they got to do, uh, J.D. McCrary. Oh, yeah. The little Simba. He's great. He's great. Little Simba sounds really good. Uh, Billy Eichner has a surprisingly strong singing voice. Yeah, surprisingly decent. Um, We're not going to talk about Seth Rogen. That's all. 
again, I so Seth Rogen is Pumbaa. He's he's a tremendously bad singer. Yeah. And I think they were trying to use that angle, and they just it's just like terrible he's a execution. Bad singer, but he's also like a lazy singer. I feel like he's trying. He's like, well, I sing bad, so I'm not. Gonna I feel try like how half hard. of these songs worked is like you, we would hear what they were doing, and then we'd be like, cool, we're done. Next song. Yeah. Um, but like even can you feel the love tonight? Where I enjoy Donald Glover's singing voice. I enjoy Beyonce's singing voice. I just, again, I'm like too far in. These are sacred texts. If like, you're going to be doing riffs and melismas on every single note of the song, it's not the song anymore, and I'm not interested. There's sing, someone interested as, in that. It's not me. As I am me. fond of saying, sing the notes. It's not, just it's sing not the, me. Sing the notes not of the song. Um, th- but, but by the way, if, if um, oh my God, what's Donald Glover's... Uh, performance name uh childish gambino childish Gambino. i was like young mc no that's not right but it's close if childish gambino and beyonce were just like hey we are recording uh a song yeah. from the lion king yeah for no reason yeah just to put it on the radio yeah that'd be awesome yeah. i would love that but like it doesn't it doesn't make sense in a musical theater perspective yeah yeah it's it we're it we're too far in these right like so yeah. th- my big problem with all of these is that it's just kind of a soulless money grab. They're not thinking about how you know the it, what we said why these are our favorite movies. They're not thinking about that. Yeah. They're not thinking about how can we improve upon what is already great. They're just thinking there's a new technology for this. We can make a couple hundred million on this by putting out in theaters. Great, let's go. And yeah. I wish there was the care put into it that that could be if they actually cared about these movies. So it's like they're playing off the nostalgia, but also wrecking the nostalgia at once. At least also, for like, someone like me who if, if your cares movie too is, much. <laughs> if your movie is so close to the original that you cast one of the actors in the same role. Oh, um, as soon as I knew they were casting James Earl Jones, I'm like, nope, done. Okay. Like, this is what tells me that this is not real okay i've i have one last thing to say on this and then we're gonna move on we're gonna move on from this anger um i am not against the idea of remakes i don't think you are either uh but remake peter pan remake movies that have real problems remake i mean they remade dumbo and I've heard the it new... It sounds like they gave it more problems. Well, but, but... I, but but at least they cut some of the parts that were problems. They're like, not they didn't racist address crows. Them, but they, they cut them. Uh-huh. But like there are movies that, that deserve to be remade or could be remade. Robin Hood is like like 20% reused animation. Mm-hmm. Like maybe just like remake that and put original animation in there. Mm-hmm. Remake Peter Pan, for God's sake. I love that movie, but I cannot watch it in full. Like, just like take some old stuff and redo it. Remake the Rocketeer. Oh my God, I love the Rocketeer. People like don't really know it now, and I don't think it would super hold up like graphically. But like, remake the Rocketeer. They were gonna, and now I guess they're not. Yeah, I don't know. But there's there are opportunities (sighs) to remake things that need to be remade. Kate, let's talk about another thing. Let's, let's talk about a happy place thing. Dick, Ooh. when you're stressed out, yeah. you come home and you say, 
I'm gonna play video games. Yeah, you'd get some whiskey. Say, I'm gonna play video games for an hour. Yeah. You wanted to talk about the Lion King video game specifically. Is that right? Yeah, and and you're also you also have a video game you want to talk about, but I'm gonna start with Lion King. I'm gonna start with the Lion King. Um, the Lion King video game was for like Super Nintendo and Genesis, and I think it was the same on both, but I could be wrong. Um, but it's, it's solid. Like these Disney Renaissance games, like Little Mermaid was kind of weak. Uh, but Aladdin is amazing. That's a good game. Um, yeah. yeah. Lion King is a really good game. Like there's, there's good stuff here and it makes me, uh, it makes me really happy. Uh, Lion King is especially cool though, because the soundtrack is like, it's just all the like, like score is like an eight bit it well no because it's super nintendo so it's 16 bit oh i'm so sorry um but like so the the opening um level is like the um and then the next one is uh like a hakuna matata or there's a hakuna matata level in there where you're like jumping onto monkeys and they're swinging you from place to place and it's it's fun to like do weird monkey jumps while going or um not sorry not yeah, just can't Matata. wait to be king just can't wait to be king and it's like oh you're being carried by all the various animals and it's a really In good recreation mm-hmm. um and also uh we see in the movie where um simba like practices roaring at a lizard and then he eventually roars like good enough and it kind of like reacts well in the video game you can roar like one of the enemies that's like roaming around is a lizard which you can like flip on its back by roaring Aww. it's really like as a tribute to the movie it's surprisingly good wow yeah that actually reminds me of something i forgot about there was a Ooh. like windows 98 or 95 cd-rom that we had of the lion king it was less of a video game and more like an activities an interactive cd-rom that's correct yeah um, but that was like, there were like pouncing lessons. So you like would have to pounce on Zazu Aww. and there was like a connect the dots and the stars of the, of Aww. Mufasa. Cute. It was really cute. That, that's a really neat way to do that. Though. Yeah. Connect the stars. Yeah. That's fun. Um, yeah. But what I really remember and I had just looked up pictures and like now I am like four years old. Like I can't, uh, um, you were right. It was Tiger Electronics. Boom. Handheld Beauty and the Beast game. It's pink. It's got purple accents. There are like three main buttons. Uh, it's dodge left, dodge right, and magic. <laughs> uh, and you'd be taken through a series of levels. It was like three levels. One is like Bella's running through the castle. She's got to pick up roses. But I just remember the last level was like these like really chintzy, you know, like black i mean you know these electronic games in the early 90s these like kind of like black shapes on this weird like translucent background mm-hmm. um so it had nothing to do with the actual movie but what your goal was you play as bell and what your goal in the third round is is um gaston has your hand gripped and the beast is on the other side 
and you just have to mash the magic button as many times as you can to shake yourself loose of Gaston's hand so you can go over and kiss the beast. And you have to do this like three times um, and then he turns into a human. But I just have like very strong sense memory of like mash, 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 that magic button. Nice. Um, Yeah, but that never happens in the movie. Like Gaston doesn't restrain her by holding her hand away from the beast and then she has to just wiggle really hard well no it it happens in the game and she's not wiggling she's using magic she is using magic doesn't not a lot of logic to it but i love that game yeah nice yeah oh uh do you want to go back to to some sadness oh yeah what's what's making you sad dick uh i'm thinking about the lion king ride (sighs) at disney world it is a crime <laughs> that there is not a Disney park in the world that has a Lion King ride-based attraction. Now, it is a crime. Now, I, I will say, currently, curr- currently, currently, there is no Disney World with a Beauty and the Beast ride-based attraction. One is on the way. No, down. however, okay. So what you have right... Yeah, that no, that's true. That's you fair. You can't, however, okay that's fair. that. No, it's, it doesn't have a ride. There is currently not a Beauty and the Beast ride. There is one coming to... That, that uh, is true. It, it, Tokyo Disneyland? Yeah, Tokyo. Or Tokyo Disney Sea? It's it might Disneyland, be Disneyland, yeah. Um, which, by the way, Disneyland, Disney Sea. That's cute. That is cute. Um, but yeah, Tokyo Disneyland is going to have a Beauty and the Beast ride, which if you oh my have gosh. not seen like the preview of the animatronics and stuff... Mm. They look like real... And, but they look like the animated characters. It's so good. So it's like the animated characters are real, yeah. which you'd think would look upsetting. But it doesn't. But I just want to give her a hug. Yeah. And like also weep. that horse. Weep in her horse. Yeah. Like weep into her horse's mane. Yeah. That's That's what I meant by that. Cool. They look so cool. Yeah. Um, but the, the no, Lion so King. currently though, Disney does have Beauty and the Beast better represented than the Lion King. The Lion King. Has uh, one festival. I don't festival, necessarily mm, agree with that. Festival of the Lion King. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's a show. Mm-hmm. It's like forty-five minutes or an hour or something. It reuses parade floats from nineteen ninety-four, and it's like just kind of like a musical review. I don't think it's a full story or anything. Mm-hmm. Just like the floats come out, people sing. There's a little bit of like, like birds on sticks, kind of like the Julie Tamer production, but it's not. The Julie Tamer production. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And there's a whole park called Animal that is, Kingdom. That is that is a falsehood? Tell me more. The land. That's closed now. Oh, it's closed now? I think so. Hmm. Well, it was just narrated by Timon and Pumbaa, which okay, I, I will so, say is more so than... So that's more than Beauty yeah. and the Beast. So, okay. Tell, tell me. Beauty and the Beast tell has me how I'm wrong. Uh, enchanted stories with Belle. Uh-huh. And you go in and you see it's either a, an animatronic Lumiere or like a really well 3D projected one. He's a, he's a puppet. Yeah. He's a puppet. But it's like, a puppet Lumiere. He's got little sticks on his arms, but he looks amazing. Yeah. He looks like, incredible. Yeah. And so you go to like, I think like two different rooms. Belle tells you stories. We're trying to figure out when, because we're going next year, whether like as two adults who don't have a child that belongs to them, whether we can like kind of sneak in and look like we're part of things because it's definitely geared toward little kids. But so there's that. But then there's the Be Our Guest restaurant, at least in Orlando there is. And what like 
so this is this part of this new fantasy land expansion where they decided like oh these renaissance films were pretty profitable for us maybe we should include them somewhere in our theme parks so this is where you get the little mermaid ride um and this beauty and the beast restaurant is incredible from a standpoint of walking in and feeling like you are in the movie two-thirds of it are yes two-thirds that's true you come in, there's a stained glass thing from the end with the beast and, or, you know, the, the prince and Belle dancing. Oh, no, this no, is... No, this is stained glass. This is by the bathrooms. This okay. is before the bathrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you walk in, and you're in the ballroom. By stained glass. What are, I, I don't understand what you're referring to. So there's to. an actual, like, it's, I think it's real stained glass or, like, really good plastic. what in the movie are you referring to? The last frame of the film. Oh, okay, ah. like the stained glass... Got it. Yep. So it's not really a scene from the film, it's a thing from the it film. It kind of is a scene from the film. Okay. So we've got that room, but what's the next room? <sighs> so you Ugh. step in, and you are in the ballroom. Yeah. The ballroom. And it, granted, it looks a little bit like a mall food court. It's a little big. It's got a lot of tables. It's full of Midwesterners. But you look up, and it's like the cherubs on the ceiling, and you look straight ahead down this giant room, and it's these giant French doors with yep. the balcony where they sit and they talk after they dance. And uh, uh, my friend from college, Ellen, can attest to this. We went several years ago. Um, I, I walked in, and I just wept. Like, I stood there and I wept because growing up with this movie, and even though, you know, you look at it as adult, you're like, this hole and this hole and that. You walk in and you're like, no, none of that matters. Um, so there's that room. But you don't want to sit there because there's too many people. There's just a lot of people there. So you so go to the left. Is there, like, another room? Is there a third room? And it's the West Wing. Uh, it is not forbidden So, like, for you've, us. Got, you've got... Uh, uh, CJ, you've got yeah, okay. uh, the president, whatever his name Let is. Bartlett be Bartlett. I didn't no. watch much of that. Different West Wing. Oh. But it's got the rose and it's magic and it's this dark room and everything's ripped up and every like 45 seconds, kind of like the storm at the Rainforest Cafe, there's a storm and the picture of the prince turns into the beast. Whoa, that's new. It's really cool. It's really cool. That's the room I eat in all of the two times I've been there. Um, and then there's a third room that we don't have to talk about. What's the third room? Uh, the best I can describe it is like a fancy McDonald's room. Uh, oh, I thought you were talking, I thought that was the stained glass room. I did no, not understand the that. The stained glass is in like the foyer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that would be neat. That yeah, would be a welcome the, addition. The third room is just kind of a room. It's just a square and there are like giant paintings of scenes kind of from the movie but I they're think, not really i think that's like your character room and there's a rotating like static statue of beauty and the beast dancing yeah whereas, in the middle. whereas in the west wing there's a rose under glass yeah there's a glowing rose here's the thing you could make that third room the library you can have like part of it curtained off so you don't, don't even want to have make to it, make it that want big to make it that boring but that's more exciting library. than just books in there. room with pictures. Some it's people, dumb. Okay, here's the thing. Some people want to go on the ride and be Peter Pan or mm. be Snow White. And some people want to see Peter Pan or see Snow White. And it is. It's people, like, it's the little kids those room. Those people eat in the square room. Yeah. No, that's fine. And that's fine. Yeah. But I will say that when, when my friend and I asked uh, one of the servers there, uh, we said, well, where's where's the library? 
and like, can we go to the library? And the, the cast member started saying, well, we, the library's not open today. It, and we're like, oh, mm, well done, sir. Mm. Well done. Um, can I talk about this restaurant now? Sure. I've eaten there for lunch. Uh, bre- breakfast, fine. right? I have eaten there for okay, lunch. Okay. And it's fine. I know what I've eaten. Okay. Um, I have not eaten there for dinner, but I hear it's pretty good. I've eaten there for breakfast. The cool thing about eating there for breakfast is uh, if you're a Walt Disney World person. And by the way, <clears throat> boy, I hope you're theme park people because we're already getting deep in this. Um, but if you go to the back of the Magic Kingdom, Be Our Guest is there. And you can get a reservation for before the park opens. So you are already in the back of the park right next to uh, Voyage of the Little Mermaid when the park opens so you've got no line for correct for that ride which is for like anything back an there. okay ride um but the breakfasts are not made for people who are big I, I would not describe myself as a giant man i'm six feet tall i'm fairly semi-muscular um but i eat a breakfast mm-hmm. especially at disney world and so when I ordered the Gaston breakfast, a man who claims to eat five dozen eggs. Five dozen eggs. So he's roughly the size of a barge. I did not expect two eggs, two pieces of sausage, and two bacon. And that's strips. it. And that's it. It was a very dinky looking plate. Like, like you, what did you get? I got like a vegetarian quiche and, and it, it was, was more food. Bigger than mine. Somehow. Um, like thankfully they give you like a bunch of pastries. So I ate all of our pastries, but that breakfast was a bummer. They shouldn't call it Gaston's breakfast. Call it LeFou's breakfast. Yeah. That would be more descriptive. Fine. Yeah. I will. Okay. So to Lion King's presence's credit, they did have for a number of years after the movie, Legend of the Lion King, which was like a full size lion puppet show. Okay. It kind of looks cool and creepy. But it's not there anymore. So, Disney, I am waiting. Can I tell you what they have now? What do they have now? Festival of the Lion King at the Theater. The Hakuna Matata Time Dance Party with Timon and Rafiki. Excuse me. Uh, Yeah. Uh, uh, Rafiki's Planet Watch, which is like an animal show with Rafiki. Is that the one that used to be the Pocahontas's one? I don't know. Mm. Probably. Uh, Rivers of Light, We Are One. Lion King appears in that. It's like the closing nighttime non-fireworks at, at Animal, Animal Kingdom. Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Philhar Magic, Lion King, appears in. Well, yeah. So does Beauty and the Beast. So uh, that's point well, I for wasn't, each of them. I wasn't reading off Beauty and the Beast at Disney World. I was reading off Lion King. And that's the thing. Is and that also, like, wait, you wait, have wait, Animal wait. Kingdom. Put them in the tree. Okay, okay, okay. Fine, fine, fine. We're going to get off of Disney World in just a minute. But Kate... Is there another Lion King thing at Disney World? So, I'm glad you asked, Dick Ward. Thank you. I'm glad I asked, too. They, um, I I hope this is the thing you're talking about. So, at Disneyland in Anaheim, no, tell me what you want me to say. Wait, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? No, seriously, though, what are you talking about? What's at Disneyland? Uh, There's an annual convention that happens at Disneyland. Nope. No. Well, there is. But, but yeah, but no. What are Something you talking at Disney about? World. Something at Disney World. That is the Lion King? That almost made you cry. Oh. Yeah. So, first of 
For all yes. that I talk about how Belle is a shitty princess, she is. Um, Belle is still my favorite, and I can't just like walking into the uh, walking into the ballroom and making me weep. Uh, just it's it, she. She will always make me weep. And so when I was there as a kid. Oh, to see now I don't know the story you're trying to get me to no, tell. No, but tell I'm just this one. Tell this a different one. I was a kid. We spent ten days at Disney because we were out of control, and we had met so many characters and gotten all these autographs. But you know what? You can't. You can't uh, plan for every character. You don't know when they're going to show up. This was before this like big princess lodge that they have where you can meet all the princesses. And I thought, well, this is a pretty good trip, but it looks like I'm not going to meet Belle. So we go to one last character breakfast where, like, the characters are listed out. We know who's going to be there. Mary Poppins, Winnie the Pooh, fine. And then out of the corner of my eye, this woman in a blue dress walks into the character breakfast. And I think I, think I like, broke down. I'm 11. I broke down. And my whole family then at this point is making it their mission in life to wave Belle over to our table um, and there is video of this. You have yeah. seen it that and she Belle, like stops by the table. She's moving. She's she's moving. She's moving she quickly. Is, she is a fairly new and fairly popular princess. She's maybe not even supposed to be there. She's got tables to visit. Yeah. So she says hello, hello, quick picture, great. And then my mom just says, just blurts out, "Oh, you're her favorite." And then Belle, whoop, like lickety split bends down like squats down squats to have right her down face next right next to mine mm-hmm. for a special picture yeah uh she does the autograph i am in heaven but like she did not react verbally or facially it was just no. like you're her favorite Boom. next to this girl right now like, like yep i know what i'm doing these cast members man yeah. they are well trained Be- and so she's the only character that i've met as an adult because Ellen and I were walking past France and Epcot, said Belle's going to be here in a half hour. I'm like, Ellen, we're coming back. I'm meeting <laughs> Belle. And I did, and it was great. Aw. Kate. Um, Dick, will you tell me a story of mine? This is fascinating From to Disney me. World. I told you to tell us something about Disney World and The Lion King. And you tried to tell a story about Disneyland. I thought I had misunderstood. And then you successfully told a story about Beauty and the Beast. There's one more thing at Disney World and <gasps> it's the reason that we're we're going in February, and we are staying at the uh, Art of Animation Hotel, be like almost because Art of Animation Hotel has four different pods: Finding Nemo, Cars, Little Mermaid, and The Lion King. Now, you didn't remember this story, so I get to go. Yeah, you sh- absolutely. So uh, we are staying at Pop Century which is across the the river. There's like a bridge to Art of Animation, which is a little more upscale of a resort, but not too upscale. Um, And we're like, hey, this would be cool to go to because there's like a bunch of animation cells on the wall, a bunch of like animation history. And we're like, oh, we we should walk around too. Um, If you don't know, the lower end Disney hotels like Pop Century, um, Sports Century, and Movie land or whatever yeah i forget what they're called but they're they're all like we have statues of things um and some of them are like not movie related like Like rubik cubes rubik's cube yeah um but uh art of animation is all themed and so there's a cars section which we didn't really go to i don't think you had even seen cars at that point 
Um, and there's a little mermaid section. So we went to the little mermaid section. There's a big pool. There's a you know, statue of Ursula. Big there's a statue Ursula. of uh, Sebastian. That's fun. And then we go to the Lion King land. And instead of just like some statues, it's the elephant graveyard as a yeah. play area. It's so cool. And it's got the hyenas there. So you've got like the characters too, but they're in environments, which I think is pretty cool because it doesn't have like a pool or anything like that. So, and then there's like, there's the log uh, over a section and Simba and Timon and Pumbaa are walking across it and that's adorable. And at the, at one end of the land, there's a pride rock. And the, the way that I come into it is I see the back of pride rock already. I'm like, welling up like oh it's pride rock and i see the main i'm like oh it's simba and i get to the front of it and i just burst into tears because it is not simba it is mufasa and i i just i i didn't know i was going to react like that to like mufasa being alive yeah. and being uh proudly positioned on top of pride rock and it, this like a full size, like it's lion sized mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit bigger. Yeah, it's it's bigger than a normal. Um, yeah, and it's oh. a, and by the way, it's a really cool play area. Uh, if you happen to be staying at Disney and you want to stay at like a moderate to cheap hotel, uh, depending when you go. If you go during peak, then Art of Animation is more like moderate price. If you go off peak, it's like a little bit more than something like Pop Century, but it's way nicer and also if you stay at pop century you can just walk over there and use all their stuff they have the biggest pool in the park and they have that awesome lion king play area all of these travel tips are also available if you email cellmatespodcast at gmail.com yeah we'll, uh, we'll he'll give a, you a couple pages if we'll you make ask. a disney trip for you yeah um cool is there anything else kate we're we're already on an hour and a half we promised people this would be a shorter episode. fly across the country to disneyland okay annual d23 conference takes place in Anaheim, California. All things Disney. It's kind of they announce new things. They, they celebrate old things. Yeah. Um, and I was watching recently, uh, and by recently I mean several years ago, a Lion King panel um, for its 23rd anniversary, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. Anyway, they keep bringing out, there. here's a director, here's an animator, here's a producer. It's a great conversation. And then, uh, you know, they have to bring a voice ca- uh, cast member out so they bring out who else but Pumba himself, Ernie Sabella. And uh, Dick, I remember texting with you. We were watching this you close were, together. You were like a couple of minutes ahead yeah. of me. Yeah. And I remember uh, both of us, when he came out, we're like, oh, Ernie Sabella's here. He's great. And then uh, Dick is texting me and saying, Oh, I love all these stories. And I'm like 10 minutes ahead. And I say, Oh, just wait. Yeah. Um, uh, my brother and I speak mostly in quotes from movies and TV shows in life. Uh, one of our favorites is the Simpsons reference uh, in the Stanley episode. Um, Stanley is like pretending that he is actually his superheroes. He's in the comic book store. Uh, later in the episode, Bart comes into the comic book store. Stanley is still there. And he goes, Stanley came back? And comic book guy says, Stanley never left. And that's how Ernie Sabella gets in this interview. Like, yeah, Ernie Ernie Sabella is having the best time of his life. He sure is. And and like, le- legitimately, it's fun to watch. He's doing all these quotes and Pumbaa voice and, and singing things. He wants the full 
hour long panel to himself. Except for there's like 10 other people there. Yeah, Jim Cummings gets like 20 seconds. So as more people come out and it's then their turn to shine, he's still interrupting with like song experts like or song excerpts. He like brings the whole panel to a grinding halt coming in with a wimbo wet, a wimbo wet, a wimbo wet. Awesome. It's Yes. It's super fun. And and the crowd is there for it. You're like, what, uh, Ernie Savelli, you need to leave. So I, I, I will say in, in his defense, he asks he like he asks some good questions and like at one point Whoopi is telling a story and he looks so interested so in what she's saying. And she's delivering it and her like Whoopi Goldberg like kinda like, Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, this thing happened and he's like ooh, and he's like laughing the loudest of everyone there it's just and we've seen him on a couple other specials where it's like oh ernie's a bit like no one paid him to be here he just volunteered but kate is so there, i was on is there another similar i was in a conversation with my brother and he just brings up out of the blue ernie sabella left and i respond back uh, Ernie, Sa- or Ernie Sabella came back and I say Ernie Sabella never left and he goes ah oh, that's my favorite story from our high school theater director to which I reply what <laughs> I thought you were talking about the panel what panel wait tell me your story so apparently our high school theater director who took our uh, high school theater program on trips to New York uh, several years throughout his career tells the story of one time they saw a show. I don't know if it was Guys and Dolls that Ernie Sabella was in or Man of La Mancha. They saw a show on Broadway. They did like a talk back that Ernie Sabella was a part of, I think is how the story goes. Mm -hmm. And then Ernie Sabella just follows them for the rest of the night. Yeah, He's still talking to them. He like... Asked, like, hey, where are you guys going? And then our our director, Frawley, goes, oh, well, probably just back to the hotel. Oh, well, I can go with you to the hotel. Can, and it's like... I can walk you there. They can't get rid of Ernie Sabella. Yeah. So it ends up that, like, the adult chaperones are, like, taking the brunt of this. They spend, like, three more hours in the hotel of the Marriott Marquis in Times Square talking... To or like having Ernie Sabella talk at them is probably more likely. Right next to where the Lion King is playing on Broadway right hey. now. Hmm. Ernie Sabella is not part of that. So they just, and then I guess he left at like one in the morning or something. They, they, he, he did not come back. Right. Ernie Sabella never left. All right. So. Yeah. The day that we have him on this podcast, we're going to have to... We're going to need an, another Blank bedroom. out several days. We're going to need another bedroom in this house. Anyway. Because he's just going to move in. Ernie Sabella. Ernie, Ernie Sabella, Sabella, everyone. So... So that's... So Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Faves, we've talked about them for way too long at this point. Thank you so much if you are still sticking around. We Ernie Sabella might as well you. be here. Yeah, we are the Ernie Sabella of podcasts. So, yeah, we never uh, left. Kate, anything you want to say to just kind of wrap up the the topic of those two movies and all their extraneous things? I mean, I think I I, I think it speaks to how much we love them and how much they have endured that we do have so many stories that are just random tangents yeah. on these two movies. It's it's part of the culture of my life. I feel at this yeah. point. So, thanks for letting us just rant on about them. And we'll probably come back to this at some point because i know at least one story that kate didn't get to uh but oh no we're we're an hour 40 all right we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and and 
transition off of the Lion King right. because uh, and Beauty and the Beast and because the we Beast. have talked about those for quite some time now. Goodbye, friends. Good, but don't well, not, friends in the movies. Good, goodbye, I meant movie goodbye, friends. Belle. Goodbye. Keep, keep listening. This podcast continues. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the last year, what we've learned, and what's to come in the future. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Uh, Kate, do you have do you have some like, do you want to just like ping pong back and forth? Some yeah, things let's that you... do a quick lightning round. Sure. Uh, however, lightning round is defined. Okay. Of just going back and forth. Uh, we, we talk about on this podcast lessons that animators learned. Yeah. Um, what are some lessons that we have learned, yeah. either from podcasting or like from seeing, you know, 50 some animated movies in the past year? Yeah. What's I've a learned, lesson you've learned, Dick? I've learned that transitions are important. And editing is hard. Yes. Well, editing is time-consuming. Yes, it is. Yeah. You're, you're good at it, though. Thank you. What about um, you, Kate? I have learned that uh, you got to talk about two movies that you can actually put a Venn diagram over. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just two movies. And I think, you know, the faves we, it did have some Venn diagram moments, but we have we've actually recorded episodes in the past where it's just like, well, these two movies have the same director. We, we, it was a Little Mermaid Aladdin, right? We did. We did a Little Mermaid Aladdin episode that we just scrapped immediately yeah. after recording. We both looked at each other and said, well, that was terrible, right? Yeah. There was like nothing to it. There was we nothing like, to talk about. This movie's good. So is this movie. This movie's movie. also good. Neat. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so, yeah, having actual... I, I feel like that was maybe where the outline was born. Mm-hmm. Um, the outline that we write on every... And sometimes stick to and sometimes yeah, don't. We write, but we write like a vague outline. We try to have a couple topics that yeah. we see as being relevant to both. Yeah. Other lessons. Yeah. Um, it's harder to podcast when you're on pain medicine for a back injury. Mm. Uh, and also just uh, podcasting while you're not uh, feeling great or when Heat you're stroke. grumpy. I get I get grumpy before yeah. we podcast sometimes. Yeah. We've we've like nixed episodes and then redone them because yeah. like come home from like a long day at work and everyone's like demanding well, of your time and, and same then like, we I feel like we've scrapped yeah. episodes for both of us yeah. for each of us being cranky you do you you've done better the last couple months because it's been summer yeah um but yeah like man it's not always like Don't we're just talking cranky. about stuff we love to uh we love to talk about anyway but yeah. sometimes it's just it's hard to schedule it when you just want to lay down and zone out yeah. Um, I've got a lesson uh, based on the animated movies, mm. uh, and we've mentioned this before, and it shouldn't be that hard. Uh, culture bearers should tell the story of cultures represented in a movie. Oh, that's just like a lesson you've yeah, learned a lesson about, like, about movies. That is easily applicable when I see a new movie come out. I'm like, oh, is this all white people making a movie about all brown people? Neat. I can skip that. Yeah, like, that's that's It's going to be... It's going to be... Iffy Problematic at best. at best, yeah. <laughs> Any other? Sure. Anything else I can, you've learned? I can keep going. Yeah, sure. I've learned. I've learned some stuff. Um, don't don't cast most people. Hmm. Uh, don't cast celebrities unless they're good or it makes sense. A voice actor and an actor are not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and like a f- a famous person isn't necessarily good for your movie. No. Um. And also, uh, uh, yeah, just in general, like, I think, like, B-level celebrity 
is the highest you should really go. Mm. Like, I, I don't know where Robin Williams was at the time of Aladdin. Yeah. I think he was kind of fading. And then he kind of came back with Aladdin. He had a resurgence after that. Because yeah. it was like Aladdin, Jumanji, like yeah. stuff like that. So I think his star was fading a little bit. But he was probably still like an A-level. Yeah. But generally, like, you don't need like... You don't need... Uh, uh... Unless there's a really strong reason to. Like, the other counterexample I'm thinking of is Tom Hanks in Toy Story, which is a movie we haven't necessarily talked... But, like, he's yeah. coming off of Forrest Gump, Philadelphia Story... Like, Tom Hanks is peak Tom Hanks. Tom, when, I mean, Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks. When Toy Story comes out. But, but he fits that character so well and th- that you cannot imagine it being anyone else. And they cast him surrounded by... Right. Like, lesser two... Like, right. Tim Allen. Yeah. It's like, not Tom Hanks and... Angelina Jolie. I know right. that's it's not, not that time. I mean, it's Julie not, Roberts. It's not like Will it's, Smith and Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that's not necessary or wanted. Yeah. But you dip too far down and you get your Rob Schneiders, and that's also not good. No, you dip too far down and you get Jim Cummings and Rob Paulson. But I don't know. Like, does Jim Cummings even count as a celebrity? Like, he's a celebrity what, to that's, us. That's what I'm saying. Like, you dip, you dip farther so you just, down. So, yeah, you can't do D-list. You have to just go off the list. I don't know. I think you could do, like, Fran Drescher, Fran Drescher was, was the great. best no, part you're of right. that movie. <laughs> you, just don't, you just don't cast the copy. Go back guy. and... Uh, for reference, the Shark Tale, uh, Shark- the Reef episode. Yeah. You'll know what we're talking Fran about Fran Drescher's here. surprisingly good in a otherwise terrible movie. Yeah. But yeah, like, you shouldn't just know better than to cast Rob Schneider. Yeah. Like, just cast anyone As, else. As, like, three parts. <sighs> yeah. Well, wait, you well, anything else? Anything else you want to... You know what? I'm just thinking of, you know, as we're referring to other episodes, um... We've done 26 episodes That's up correct. to this point. Is that right? Yes. Do, do well, you have any 20, like... 26 and four-fifths. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's wishful thinking. Uh, you have any like, I don't know, statistics or like observations on those first 26 episodes? No. Ah, it's a that's lie. That's false. Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> um, yeah, just like going through the numbers a little bit. Uh, I found some interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, I will tell you that our second most popular episode mm. is Little Mermaid and Moana. Which is the first episode we released. Which is the first released. episode. So people That's see. either good or bad. Yeah, we need to put like a little bumper in front of that that says, excuse the fact that we recorded this on a phone. Uh, please skip And before to, we had any of our organizational yeah, structure. Please, please skip forward to when we have microphones. Um and then three, four, and five are American Tale and Great Mouse Detective, Rescuers, Secret of Nim, Brother Bear, Brave. So these are recent these episodes. These are our recent episodes. Point. Yeah. All um, right. So, Dick, I haven't heard you say number one. Yeah. Here's a drum roll. It's Meet the Robinsons and the Lego Movie. Of course. It's it's strange. What? It's not it's not our most recent. No. It's not our oldest. It's not our most famous movies. Or like even, I feel like American Tale is, inspires a certain like way back nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Neither of these movies are that old or that new. So uh, this like. That's so interesting. This could speak to uh, a demographic. It's like, I don't know how old everyone is. I, I know yeah, how yeah, old I know. like two of our audience are. Because we know them personally. Because we know them personally. But everyone else like, it, you know. You and I are of a certain age. Yeah. Where we're technically millennials. 
I'm mm-hmm. very barely a millennial. Elder millennial. Elder millennial. Thank you. Um, but like, I, I don't know, maybe like Lego movie and meet the Robinsons is nostalgia. Sure. Like, like those are not that new. I liked the episode too. Oh yeah. It was a good we episode. We mind a lot of Venn diagramming off those two movies way more than we thought. Bunch of surprise dads. Surprise dads. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm proud of that episode, but yeah, yeah. it just seems like, yeah, it seems like the little mermaid episode would be number one or something that's like a far more popular title right. involved. Yeah. Cool. So I don't know. Doesn't seem, doesn't seem like uh, title popularity really matters that much. Yeah. So if anyone else out there wants to really mess with our statistics, choose a random episode and, and just then like, it a hundred. Yeah. Times. But like play it on loop when yeah. you're like not listening to it yeah. and see what we say next year at this time. Well, you'd have, so for our statistics, you would have to download it and you would have to download it. I think, think on like a new podcast player so So you have to do do it on multiple devices or apps which is fine but also hey rate and review us on all of those podcatchers or whatever they're called uh because we appreciate it dick any other stats you want to share no so is it time for the final vader time cut oh oh it's time for the final cut so normally we do this segment at the end of a regular episode that's true talk about these segments in terms of the two movies yes dick you have your hand raised but kate we already did a final cut for these two movies right so (laughs) it's the final cut for the first year of cellmates podcast that's so we're getting meta here and we're going to do all of these segments as if our single year of podcast is two different animated. Dick, I got a question for you. <laughs> yeah. If you could shout out any scene in Cellmates podcast history. Oh my God, history, I, forgot, I forgot this was You like need the answers for this segment. I've got wait, an answer. Wait, um, because yeah. it's two movies, mm-hmm. uh, I want to shout out a Dick scene and a Kate scene. Oh, okay. All right. Do you have that? Um, yeah, yeah, I could figure it out. Okay, cool. So um, you go first so I don't steal yours. So my dick scene, Yeah. Um, I cannot wait for Dick and Randy Newman to collaborate on an album of um, all <laughs> questions more than answers about the Cars Cars. Um. We did an episode on Cars and Bolt, and Dick is very preoccupied with how the cars work, specifically which body parts are which because and the how their economy sets, is run. It sets a rule, and then it's like, here's a different thing. And I'm like, no, I would, but you I would argue told that me. the movie doesn't totally set a rule. The well, movie presents some information. We get tricked into thinking it's rules, but then like the nose and the boobs are the same parts, yeah. and like they have money, but also they are money. And gas is there. Anyway, so you're going to make an industry musical with Randy Newman about the cars, explaining everything that you could need to know. And then probably... Sometimes cars have headlights that are boobs and sometimes they're eyeballs and sometimes they're noses. Go, boob nose, go. (laughs) You're my friend. Mm -hmm. That's my dick moment. I need to think on a Kate moment. No, because I'm like part of them, right? Part so of I, it. Part of it. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, do Kate, you have well, a? Well, 
I, I mean, as I I'm could, thinking about it, I could go while you're thinking about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, please do. Um, am I giving? I guess I'm giving a dick moment, or am I giving a Kate moment first? Yeah, whatever you want. Huh. Oh boy, that's tough. Um, okay, so uh, if I'm gonna pick a Kate moment, I, honestly, Kate, you have been uh, a fascinating source of information. Uh, but the Kate, so moment, the Kate moment I'm going to pick is actually before this podcast even happened. Uh, the Kate moment is when I graduated from coding boot camp, got super, super <laughs> drunk. I came home. I don't like remember my trip home. Uh, we live in New York. I took the subway. I didn't drive. Uh, just a disclaimer. Uh, I don't really remember my trip home, but I know I made it. I know I ate three bags of M&Ms on the way. <laughs> And when I got home, you were there uh-huh. with a big old hamburger covered in like eggs and hash browns. That's correct. And you were like, we're going to watch The Good Dinosaur now. So thank you yeah. for that moment. It was important. Because that that was important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I've got a moment. I was just scanning through our old episodes. Ooh. So... This is an interesting, so my, my moment that I'm going to shout out is um, when you let me talk for like five minutes straight about how much I hated Titan AE <laughs> because I needed, I just needed to vent all at one time. You had been hearing it in bits and pieces oh. over the last, the literally the period of time That's that we true. watched Titan AE up until the podcast recording. Yeah. Um, I just, I hate that movie more than anything I've ever watched in my life. But also, the like uh, we, we we went very negative on that movie, um, and it, part of what came out of that is we're like, all right, even the negative opinions we have, we want to do it either a sandwich or a flatbread <laughs> with some positives, and mm-hmm. so that's how Scene Shoutout was born. That's true. Um, the segment that we're in now, ooh, oh. um, and I like that we even for things like. The good dinosaur. We have to say something positive. Yeah. So it, I feel like it twists my lens a little bit to be like, all right, no one sets out to make a bad movie. Mm. So what, like, what vestige, even in like a just a hot mess movie like Titan A.E. or The Good Dinosaur, like, like what is there? What is the vestige of what they were trying What's to do? Salvageable. In yeah. yeah. And I like, I like having that lens to yeah. it because there's always something. Nice. But I also love talking trash about Titan A.E., so it it win-win. Nice. Uh, Dick, do you have a a self moment? Yeah. I don't remember who this was, so I'm going to claim it. (laughs) Uh, On that same episode, um, we decided to do, I think it was like Titan A.E. and Treasure Planet. Mm -hmm. And then one of us, I've decided it's me so that I can do this shout out. And (laughs) if it's not, tell me off air uh, so that uh, you can get proper credit. But one of us, I'm going to say it was me, was like, hey, what about this Atlantis The Lost Empire movie? And that made that whole episode way better. Because Treasure Planet was fine. It was the missing mushroom cut. And uh, Titan A.E. was not fine. No. But Atlantis was so good. That was a win. It was such a blast to watch. And it was so... um, exciting to watch a movie that i hadn't seen and we've had a couple of those like the surprisingly good care bears in wonderland or Mm -hmm. um the winnie the pooh movie which 
I like need to watch again because mm-hmm. that was so amazing. Um, but that was a movie where I was like, oh, I haven't seen this and it's really good. Yep. So there you go. Um, I, I want to give honorable mention to the dick moment where you thought, what did you think about I'll Make a Man Out of You before you saw the movie? <laughs> what I did you think was, that song was about? I thought about? Mulan's dad was singing it right. to her and he was making a man out of her so that right. she could join the army. Right. I kind of knew what Mulan was about. You did. And I think that makes sense as a song. Yeah. But that's not what would happen. But it's but I just love these stories like uh, like how I thought Zazu and Scar were the same person because when you just listen to the song you don't know. Well, you you do. So anyway. You do. Well, they sound different. Anyway, uh, I appreciate you sharing that story. Too. Thank you. Yeah. So, Dick, do you have an MVP? And I'm going to say right now, it you. can't be one of us. Ah. Of a cellmates podcast in the past year, and maybe and maybe this can be like, you know, a few or like an honorable mention. Is too, yours the one I think it is? Well, I have two in mind. Um, I have three in mind. Is is one of yours before one AD? What? Okay, I'll say it. Uh, Brenda Chapman. Yeah. Yeah. BC. Uh, uh, Brenda Chapman uh, is Brenda Chapman. The, she's like the secret sauce yeah. that made so many movies really good, and we didn't even know. Yeah, uh, she wrote, directed Prince of Egypt. She directed Prince of Egypt. She did story, story supervisor on Beauty and the Beast, on mm-hmm. Lion King, on Hunchback. And she's just been involved in so many of our favorite movies. Uh, and Brave, mm-hmm. um, most like much of Brave or most of Brave, she was involved in, and she just has, she like puts a certain touch on movies that, um, I think is missing when she's not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brenda Chapman is is my MVP of this year. Uh, special secondary shout out, of course, to Tone Loke. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Who sang an amazing <laughs> song. <laughs> In uh, Fern Gully, a song which starts in one spot, circles around, like he literally walks around in a circle, ends up back at the same spot. Yeah. Nothing comes of it. There is no consequence. But but Jimmy Buffett wrote a song for Tone Loke. And it's the best musical moment in Fern Gully, I think. Yeah, it might be. I just want to say it again. Jimmy Buffett wrote a song for Tone Loke, and that song is in Fern Gully. Yes. So, special uh, MVP Oof. minor. Kate, what do you got? Um, so, I'm going to, I mean, the obvious is my my dear ones, Alan and Evan Howard. Oh. Alan and Howard, and Stephen Schwartz. I don't know if you've heard of him. You well, probably, probably haven't heard of him. him. Uh, yeah, just musical theater writers in general yeah. have made my favorite animated movies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I was going to say Brenda Chapman. Um, I also want to give an extra shout out uh, um, to all of the um, token consultants on uh, non-white elements in the <laughs> particularly Disney movies. Whether it's the, and, and we scrapped the, the Aladdin episode, so we haven't technically, but whether it's the Iranian friend in Aladdin, the, the single Taiwanese, Taiwanese animator friend in Mulan, in Mulan, 
the like I guess there were some multiple uh Polynesian like yeah, South like, Pacific friends in Moana did, but like the one friend and... that they're like oh oh Russell Means we talked to Russell Means so Pocahontas to is totally and legit no like, he's and he's totally like I say that to him and he's totally cool like uh, no. those poor oh, poor artists yeah. like Good, like thank you for at for for doing legitimately adding some great authenticity for to these doing movies more than nothing and bearing that responsibility, yeah. especially when it comes to I'm sure the criticism they all received from their own communities oh God, of right? like, are you serious? You, you're you're advocating for this, so and like yeah, that's like, a, that's a lot. That's a lot of emotional like labor. Means received a lot of criticism, yeah, right. But then you look at. You look at how you Native look at Americans Peter Pan. Pretty, you're like, oh, it's like, oh, I guess Pocahontas. Okay, Pocahontas is, is a big step forward. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to them. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to <laughs> no to our listener and my friend Rachel Vickers, who like it was the first person to give us. Oh, sorry, we have a lot of friends. We have a lot of friends. Boy, the, anyone who's Rachel? given us a shot. I want to start this over. Wait, Rachel, was Rachel, Brit, the, was Serena, Rachel the first one? And no, wow. she was not the first one, but the most prolific. Okay, these are the thank suggestors. yous. These are not MVPs at well, this point. You're going off the, the fans. Rails. The fans. The fans. You're the you're the, the fifth suggestors. member of Spinal Tap. In, <laughs> the suggestors. No, uh, Serena has given us suggestions. Britt, oh. um, uh, our new friend Kelly. Um, but yeah, Rachel sent an email of like 35 different pairings and a lot of just like, uh, I'm using the word off brand in quotes, but yeah. like not Disney Pixar Ghibli. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it brought us like Care Bears Adventure in Wonderland, like a movie we never would have looked at otherwise. Yeah. So thank you for your suggestions. Yeah. Like honestly, MVPs, because we only have so many original ideas and, and then we run out. thank you in advance for rating and reviewing our podcast Ooh. on your favorite podcast listening device or program. That's correct. Yep. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay, what else we got? Well, we've got crossover, Ooh. which if we were going to cross, how do we phrase this well, before? Well, if, if there's like take two movies that are paired with something else from that the you past would like year to, that you would like to to put together possibly yeah. in a future episode yeah um do you have one ready yeah i can i can i can go um i would like to go more in depth in to the making of on both of these mm-hmm. but i think it would be fun to do like an island adventure stick with like a hawaiian polynesian thing and do Moana with Lilo and Stitch. Mm. I I loved pairing Lilo and Stitch with Iron Giant, uh, but I would love like I think the focus in that was more on like the Iron Giant and on Stitch mm-hmm. than it was on like you know the 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 family which like we talked about but like the the culture and stuff didn't come up quite as much. Mm-hmm. But I think in like talking about it with Moana, I think it'd be interesting to compare like um, how they um, presented like Hawaiian, like specifically Hawaiian yeah. culture uh, in that time at its present and how in Moana they represented uh, like Polynesian culture in general uh, in the past and the different researches and stuff they did. Yeah. Um, also, family. Yeah. Means nobody gets left behind. True. Or forgotten. What do you got? Um, 
I, it's it's pretty easy, uh, low-hanging fruit, but Good Dinosaur Lion King would be interesting because Good Dinosaur, anything that's good about it, they stole from, well, Brother Bear. Apparently. Or the Lion King. But it ends up in a very different outcome, and it's just fascinating to me that you can have so many elements that in a, in a different execution line up to perhaps make one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. And then in another movie, it just falls on its face. Like, what? Yeah. And I and again, low-hanging fruit, because we've already kind of talked but about now it. I kind of want to do Brother Bear and Good Dinosaur. Yeah, I think I like, think that would also be an interesting episode. There is so much that's the same. Yeah. It's fascinating. And Brother Bear is a lot better. You wouldn't think so, but yeah. it, it is. Surprisingly decent. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. That's... I guess that's it. Dick. Oh, Kate. It's time for the final. Final. Cut. Cut. Kate. Cellmates. Oh. Cellmates podcast. Podcast. Uh, season one. Season one. Do you. Uh-huh. <laughs> re-release it as is. Uh-huh. Do a special edition. Uh-huh. Uh, or throw it in the vault, never to be heard from again. I hope not. That no. third. Um, no, I, the special edition sounds most correct. As you said, our first couple episodes we're slightly different format, mm-hmm. different audio equipment. Um, and I just feel like we've gotten better at figuring out those intersection points that yeah. are fun to talk about. We've gotten a little bit less like, uh, here are the movies, robot, robot, and gotten a little bit freer. I and like do a lot of robot voices in the episodes. Just telling personal stories because I feel like anyone can look up these movies on right. any given internet site, but it's that personal connection and like remembering the little things. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think I would special edition it with a little bit of touch up here and there, but also, you know, Dick, look at where we were, look at where we started, look at where we are. I, I haven't listened Great. to Hamilton in a long enough time. Anyway. Just dropping a lot of Hamilton today. Just, but not really, because that wasn't well executed. No. More good dinosaur than the Lion King. Yeah. Dick, what do you do to Cellmates podcast season one? Oh, special edition. All right. Um, when I listen back to it, it's weird because I hear my voice and then there's this other voice. And so I'd get rid of that. I'd like edit that one out. Very funny. Thank you. Um, no, re-release. I, I love it. Uh, I'm really I'm really happy with the episodes that we have. Uh, I really enjoy that we have some really rough ones at the beginning. Uh, yeah. Like it's, it's nice because I feel like you can see growth. We're not... We're not polished now. We definitely weren't polished then, but we keep trying to get a little better. Uh, think of some cooler pairs. Think of more ways to talk about movies. Uh, and I, I love, I love seeing that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess onward I, to season two. Yeah. What? Are, Kate, are there any? Are there any movies? We're not going to give away any pairings, but let's talk about some of the movies that, that we're looking forward to in season let's two. Let's popcorn out. Yeah. Um, uh, let's Frozen. Go, let's go movie to movie. Frozen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My Neighbor Totoro. Ooh. Mm. Uh, Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. Pinocchio. Uh, Son of Bigfoot. Son of Bigfoot. Yeah. So That's lots of great titles lots to of look forward to. Classic titles that everyone's heard of with great production value. <gasps> It's going to be a fun one, everyone. Um, and we're also, so as always, we're looking from, for pairings from you. Yeah, we've, um, got, we've got some stuff planned out, but 
please, like if uh, if we get a fan suggestion in, that jumps to the top of the It charts. really does. Because um, we're we're always excited to see what other people yeah. want to push together. We know it's so. inside our heads, but we want to know what's inside yours. Yeah. Uh, Probably brands. Or if you have like a single movie that you want us to talk about yeah. and don't really have an idea for a pairing, we'll do the research. We'll look into it. Or if um, you're like, hey, you should do all of the Land Before Time movies, oh then yeah, we'll oh do them. Gosh. No one has written in about that yet. But Not one yet. Day, one day, Kate. That's a sign. One day. That's a sign that no one wants that There's going to be a petition. But we're looking at other things, too. We might even, you know. Yeah, we've got a couple of, like. Uh, break format every once in a while and just talk about things. Just talk about different stuff. Different things. Ooh. Hope that's vague enough for you. But if you do have suggestions, uh, if you do have opinions on that Land Before Time series, Mostly the opinion that we should not do it would be preferred. <laughs> uh, Dick, where can people find us? Well, Kate, they can find us at Cellmates Podcast on Twitter, Cellmates Podcast on Facebook, CellmatesPodcast.com on dot com, uh, <laughs> Cellmates Podcast at gmail.com. That's correct. And if you search Cellmates Podcast on YouTube, you'll find us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you need like 500 subscribers or something to be youtube.com slash summits podcast so, so subscribe <laughs> i guess we'll, we'll, we'll be part way there yeah um but really thank you for listening and yeah. thank you for being engaged in whatever way you are because we appreciate that we're not the only two people who are enjoying these conversations absolutely and kate uh uh i didn't talk to you about this beforehand um do you want to give them uh our listeners like a quick little hint of what movies we'll be doing next episode. Like, I don't want to say the titles, but I want to give like a little hint just to see if anyone can, can well, guess. Well, so I know what we have in our spreadsheet, but we've also had off spreadsheet conversations. So I'd rather you give the hint. Uh, okay. Because I don't actually know what our next episode is officially. Oh, really? Oh, so I think... That it is a uh, building full of spook-em-ups. Oh. Well, that's interesting. Thank For, you. And it's not even mouse month. It's it, like a different month now. It's hmm. like... Um, hmm. It's like rock... It's Rocktober, right? Rock... Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. So and, uh, we get to rock-a-doodle at It's long also... Last. Also... Shout out to my bi-weekly paycheck earners. Uh, depending on your pay schedule, uh, for me, I get paid on every other Thursday. And October is a three-paycheck month. Boom. So just uh, just shout out to anyone that's also getting three paychecks this month and very excited about it. Three-paycheck house of mystery month. House? Building, Building. of mystery month. Building of spook ups I think spook. Anyway, for Cellmates Podcast. Way more accurate. Hey, for Cellmates Podcast, I'm Dick Ward. I'm Kate Phillips. I'm Dick Ward. Kate Phillips. Okay, bye. We like you. You're my friend. Bye. Uh, the Lion King is a movie. It's got lions, other animals. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
Okay. They're all there. It's the circle of life. 